Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Hello, and welcome everybody to another episode of Pod Strickland. I'm your host, Shwini Poo, and this episode 247, I am joined on a very cold and chilly, true wintry night, uh, a Sunday night in November, November 20th to be exact. I'm joined by Stacy. that is at StaceyPatton89 uh, on Twitter, which still currently exists against all odds, apparently. Uh, Stacy, how are you doing? I'm good. Um, I am um, doing. I'm enjoying fun employment. Um, went to the Mark Twain house today. Nice. Where's uh, that? It's in Hartford, Connecticut. So, oh. um, actually, pretty nice. Uh, if it's a drive, but on the way back, get some nice pizza in New Haven. Anyone that wants New Haven pizza recs, send them to me. Uh, Mike Workinov, if you're listening, or anyone else from Jersey, Connecticut owns new jersey and pizza just want to throw that out there but yeah yeah yep uh new haven pizza is pretty good uh all right uh well before we get started I do have to announce that strickland has a patreon you can subscribe to it there are a number of tiers there's a six dollar tier that gets you access to pod strickland that i do every friday with prez you also get access to the strickland mailbag that comes out every other week that's hosted by andrew Steele, aka doug uh along with dallas amico who's on the front lines right now fighting for uh union rights in california so shout out to him uh you also get access to the strickland discord where the conversation never stops uh regardless of whether the knicks win lose don't compete at all doesn't matter we compete in there in the discord come check it out there are further tiers is a nine dollar tier that gets you access to strick and roll my solo pod where i rant and rave about the knicks even more you also get access to wonderful weekly articles by jack hunley and matthew Miranda, two of the best in business there are further tiers there's a 15 dollar tier 30 dollar tier 50 dollar tier 100 dollar tier that's come with a variety of additional benefits like listening in on pod recordings merchandise discounts and even potentially co-hosting a podcast alongside yours truly one day whether you choose to subscribe or not none of this would be possible without you so without further ado um yeah i I don't know i don't really have much to say about this game uh the knicks got their asses kicked by the suns they played a fairly listless game against golden state which like again um i i wasn't i'm not even i'm not that pissed about losing these games because this is what is going to happen with this coach um, for as long as we're here. You know, we're going to have Randall playing like an asshole uh, when he decides to play like an asshole. When he has a good Randall game, that's great. That'll be fantastic. But when he largely plays like an asshole, uh, we will struggle. We don't move the ball well. We don't have any action off ball. We are not deceptive. No team is caught unaware by any of our actions. Phoenix, especially today, just sat on everything we did. They knew what was coming. Um, we don't. Tibbs doesn't have the ability or capacity as a coach to evolve and and throw different things into the mix. And we can talk about you know player X is bad at this and player Y is terrible at this and this guy is struggling at that thing. We can talk about that until we're blue in the face. But schematically, we are nowhere near optimizing talent, 
giving ourselves a chance to compete at a serious level in 2022 in the NBA. And that it is what it is. Um, and like I mentioned all summer, Tibbs and Randall, one of them had to go. Neither of them went. Both of them are here. Jalen Brunson can be awesome all he wants. The fact of the matter is he can't help turn around this team uh, and elevate its performance beyond his own individual scoring because we don't play team basketball. There are no cascading plus impacts of any individual playing well because we don't leverage players' strengths to create openings. We don't have any motion. We don't cut. We don't. It's it's all just there's again. There's no point in being pissed off about this anymore. It's just it is what it is. So um, the Knicks played a game today against one of the better teams in the NBA, a team that's not even particularly one of the best coach teams in the NBA, not that they're poorly coached, but they're not like an elite coaching team, but they are a team that does fundamental things that you need to do. There is nothing else to it. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that's, I, I know I'm sounding very defeated and whatever. I'm not, I'm just, there's nothing to say. Like, it, it's actually kind of boring to watch a game like this today because, I mean, they were down by two at halftime, but it, they were just getting lucky. I mean, they were getting their asses kicked on the boards. Nobody's competing. Julius was playing like a fucking asshole. He's just ducking into the paint. I mean, the thing with Julius is he thinks that if he has a mismatch, that means he has to duck into the middle of the paint, regardless of what else is going on. Uh, and Tibbs allows that, and he's okay with it. And that's the world we live in. So on nights like against Denver, when Julius isn't playing like a huge asshole, that's fine. Um, but he's left to his own whims. And... Tip is cool with that, so we get plenty of games like we saw today. Um, and by the way, to all the people who are victory lapping, oh, you guys all shit on Julius. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah, this is why we shit on him because he's played like this for the better part of whatever one one season and what are we seventeen games into the season? So one season and seventeen games. And if we want to be honest, he was kind of an asshole his first year in New York too. So it's kind of like when your sister's dating a guy who's been consistently shitty. But then he takes her out to dinner, buys her flowers, you know, great night and all of that. Um, and she's like, see, I told you he was a good guy. And you're like, next week, he's like being an asshole again. And you're like, okay, <laughs> which one outweighs the other? You know, um, I think um, so I missed a good portion of this game. There was a there was a clip that Benji uh, Rit Holtzman. Um, I imagine there are very few people who listen to us that don't follow Ben Rit Holtz NBA on Twitter. But if you don't, making a huge mistake. Um, also, if you have do follow him, look up his YouTube highlights and definitely add him. Um, I think he gets mildly embarrassed about it, but that kind of makes it a little bit better. <laughs> um, but he was a very good college basketball player as well. Um, no, I mean I, I think that um, there's a clip that he posted. Um, Randall's guy flashes out to the three-point line. It's weird because you look at you look at the game and it felt like we were playing Memphis with these fucking jerseys. But um, but he his guy flashes the corner. It's a very there's no reason to switch, but he points and he waves his hands like, "Why is nobody switching for me?" Guy gets a wide open corner three, misses. Then um. Mitchell Robinson does miss a box out, but Randall is standing under the hoop with no one around. You didn't close out, fine. You are in the restricted area with no one around. Grab the rebound. Um, and it looked like 
you know, it looked like it was, um, I don't even think it was Aiden. Um, you know, it's, it's no one that Randall, Randall can box out anyone he wants. We've seen him box out Nikola Jokic. Um, and I, <laughs> do you want to say he doesn't care? I don't know. Do you want, I, I don't think that's the case, but there's just, I, I, I mean, we've all had these games. Maybe it's conditioning, right? We've all had, I've, I've had games where like I played pickup and like I play really hard. But then there's sometimes where it's just like I could do that, and then it just doesn't, you know, your your legs don't get the message, whatever it is. But that happens constantly. Um, the one thing I do take some exception, not exception, but uh, I disagree with you on is that the Knicks were listless against Golden State. I mean, they shot like dog shit. Um, I do want to talk about IQ later because I'm starting to really, I mean. Really worry in the sense that I've seen this pattern before where he gets really not confident. Um, and then, you know, it seems to click, but he's really struggling with when to be a scorer and when to like pass. I don't even want to use the word predetermined, but, um, it just seems like he's not, he can't do both at the same time right now, which is a little bit frustrating. Um, obviously still a positive impact player, but like we want him to be a star. We'll talk about that afterwards. Why would you call the Golden State? performance listless like i mean i think they got killed by a bunch of and iq was no not immune to this at all they put him on pool and they put him on on steph and there's a few things with golden state right they start their offense so high so iq is a really good on ball defender but whether it's him or whoever else you know you put him on pool or steph if they put him up on him at half court he blows by you right and that i mean Yes, <laughs> IQ has trouble staying in front of Steph at half court. It's not an indictment. Um, but, you know, that was not a solution. And you can't not guard. You have to pick him up basically at half court because he's in range at that point. I don't think that's hyperbole. Um, but where they really killed the Knicks was, you know, the big slipping screens. Even when Jericho and IQ are out there, who are probably our best pick and roll combination right now with Mitch out especially. And they would slip the screen so fast. And Steph is like, you know, to your boy, Josh Allen or Aaron Rodgers, whoever we call it, um, or, or Pat Mahomes, like he's the guy that the instant that slip screen is open, he would throw it. So like whatever your coverage was, 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 how do you defend that? Right. I mean, better teams have defended it, but the Knicks, I don't think I can't hold the Knicks to that standard right now in good conscience. I just want like, I thought they fought pretty hard against Golden State. Um, you know, the, sh the shots weren't falling. Um, there were stretches of bad offense. Why would you use the word listless there? I agreed with pretty much everything you said. Um, you know, Randall's performance was pretty um, discouraging. Um, I'm sorry, not against Golden State. But, um, you know, I didn't watch a lot of the Phoenix game. But I did see, you know, Bit Holtzman NBA, if you're not following him. Name's Benji. Great dude. Um, also look up his highlights on YouTube and definitely tweet at him about it because he doesn't get embarrassed at all. No, he was a great college basketball player. Um, at, uh, at Yeshiva, definitely look him up because, uh, and look him up, especially if you have the urge to say, man, you don't know ball. Um, cause I've seen dudes do that. Like, have you ever hooped before? <laughs> yeah. Um, but Benji put up a, a tweet. And it shows Julius has a very routine. His man cuts from like the left elbow to the right corner. 
Julius doesn't feel like going. I mean, they're in, man. There's there's no screen. He just points to he just points to no one and says like, you know, like he's fucking uh Cersei Lannister, bring me a closeout, right? Doesn't do it. Nobody else knows what's going on. They're stuck to their man. The guy gets an open corner three, misses. Julius Randle is in the restricted area. The rebound is not a long rebound. Mitchell Robinson is a little bit farther out. He does miss a closeout. Bad miss closeout. Uh, sorry, uh, box out. Bad miss box out by Ju- uh, by Mitchell. But Julius Randle's right there, and you weren't doing anything else on this defense. Just get the fucking rebound, you know? And didn't do that. Um, and this is not the first time that's happened. It's especially egregious from a team leader. Um, but what I did want to ask you, Schwinn, getting away from all that, uh, we've talked a lot about Julius. I disagree that the the performance against Golden State was listless. That's not a word I would use. Um, it seemed like a lot of the, you know, they had a ton of success with Steph pick and rolls. You know, great analysis there, right? Um, you know, the greatest shooter of all time, who is also a great point guard and one of the top 10, 15 players ever had success against the Knicks. But even quickly in Sims is probably their best defensive pick and roll combo. And Golden State was slipping the screen so fast, and his vision was so good, he would hit him immediately. So, like, how do you dissect, dissect the scheme? Like, should the Knicks have been switching that? I don't know. Uh, it also seemed like when the Knicks tried to pick him up higher up, or even pool, like the Knicks picked up, picked him up, or pool up at half court, and they would just blow by very easily. And those are two tough guys to stop at half court. I thought the Knicks fought pretty hard, though. Um, you know, I mean, I, thought, I, I think it was listless in the sense of like. I don't think their effort or energy was off necessarily in that game. I just thought they didn't they didn't have it. They didn't have any juice. Um maybe they were all sick, which is a possibility, like genuinely a possibility. Uh I just thought they didn't have the legs to match up with Golden State in that game. It wasn't skill, really though, like I mean, the skill seemed I mean it just seemed like they were better, you know. I mean they are better, but their bench sucks. We didn't make their bench work. We didn't do anything on offense. We did exactly what we, we don't do anything on offense. We Our offense sucks. Our offense, and people will be like, of course our offense sucks. Look at our best player, blah, blah, blah. Like, again, these are just excuses for a coach who has no ideas and no creativity. Um, if you can't have, if you can't run creative sets because you don't have a superstar, then you're just a moron or an incapable offensive mind. And I don't think Tim's a moron, but I do think he's an incapable offensive mind. Um, he has nothing. There's nothing left. There's nothing left to what he can... What is he going to do? There's nothing left he can provide. And Golden State and Phoenix are teams that... When Golden State is struggling, you don't watch Golden State struggle and think, man, that's a poorly coached team. No. You think like, okay, they're struggling. What's going on? What are the issues? What are the personnel? They're a well-coached team. They've had a lot of issues this year. They're not an amazing team. Um, Phoenix has been very up and down. They just lost to a team that the Knicks beat <coughs> last week, the Utah. They lost to Utah on Friday. A pretty big heartbreaker. Uh, Laurie Markinen went off. But you don't watch Phoenix and they're like, well, they don't do anything on offense. Look, we didn't we didn't do we we didn't present any difficulties for them. There was like what what at any point in the Golden State game or in the Phoenix game did you think, well, wow, that was a good that was a nice offensive adjustment from Tibbs. We're three years into this guy being the head coach. Our inbounds plays are atrocious. They are atrocious. They, we run the same exact inbounds play 
every single time. Every single time out of a timeout, we run the same exact inbounds play. Out of a timeout, okay, out of a timeout, you can count on your hand probably this season how many times Tibbs has run a set that isn't just trying to get somebody a mismatch for them to cook. That's it. That is his creativity as a coach. He doesn't run anything that you're like, oh, wow, look at look at this decoy action over there in the corner that opened up this other thing over here. There's nothing like that. Well, let's and let's I, get technical, right? I mean, it's kind of like describing cover one versus zone. I know that's a little bit ridiculous. No, you know, I'll give, I'll give, I'll give but you... So, uh, but isn't, isn't that the majority of sets? For no, most but, teams, like okay, trying but, to get a but, but but right. So the so we can agree, and I I agree with this. The majority of sets of possessions in basketball are player determined. Okay, right. That's why coaching is so important because you only get to make an impact on let's say twenty percent of the possessions as a coach. So if you punt that, if you can't do that, if you cannot scheme up stuff. And if you don't have, if you don't install motion and and automatic stuff like that in your into your offense, your offensive principles, right? It's all well and good to be like rim read, spray the ball out. It, yeah, these are all things that like players need to do. But you, as a coach, also need to be able to scheme up open shots. When does Tibbs scheme up an open shot for somebody? When do you watch this and you're like, wow, that was something? I can't I, believe I, I we got this guy. This guy happened more than I think you're saying. I don't think it happens. I, I have watched other teams, and like every time out of like we have more times out of timeouts where it results in another team getting a basket. Than, <laughs> um, yeah. and, than and to your point about football, right? Okay, so the Bills right now, our entire starting secondary is basically out. Okay, we've basically missed most of our se- our starting secondary the entire year. We are we've missed our linebackers. Both our starting linebackers have missed a lot of time this year. Um, these are like your most impactful kind of coverage players, right? So as a result, especially as the season's gone on, the the we've just been running vanilla schemes. Very, very vanilla schemes. The Knicks run very vanilla schemes, right? You can do that and, and by the way, so as the season's gone on, the defense has become more and more leaky because you don't have players to run exotic schemes. Teams have caught up and they know where the weak points are and where the, the open spots are, and they can scheme up to find that, right? That's something you have to deal with in football. It's something you have to deal with in any sport. The Knicks have had a fully healthy roster. for the, They've had a pretty much a healthy roster for the most part. Their biggest injury was Quentin Grimes, who God knows what the hell his injury even is or how serious it is. And we will today, never know. Right? He played today. He started today. Um, and he looked completely fine. He looked very bursty. Uh, he's been medically cleared for a little while now, but wasn't in the rotation the last two games and was getting situational labels. I mean, I, I don't, don't know trust those Indian doctors either. So. I know, right? Uh, but, like, I don't know what the hell is going on, but it's fine. Whatever. The point is, the Knicks have got a fully healthy team for the most part. And this isn't just this year. Go through Tips' time. They've basically been healthy for the most part, aside from, like, Derrick Rose's super long injury last year. Other than that, they've had pretty much a healthy roster. Mitchell Robinson, his first year, was out for a while. That's about it. And if you Mitchell, look at if you look at the team, right? I mean, it's tough. I mean, let's start with Jalen Brunson. They're prized offseason sign. No one wants to talk about this because Leon Rose doesn't give press conferences. Jalen Brunson is averaging twenty six point eight and four rebounds, six point eight assists to one point eight turnovers. Uh, he's shooting a 
ghastly, 30% from three. It's ticked up a co- over the last couple of games. And he's still at, um, I think, 58 true, true shooting. Uh, so that's worked. That's been a plus. Yeah, and just, just real quick. Is just at, real quick. Julius Randle's at 58 true, true shooting. Yeah. So whatever so else you want to say, and I'm not, I'm not saying there aren't legitimate criticisms. Yeah. It's not like we haven't had the pieces, to your point, you know? Well, and, and that's my point, is like, there's no excuse for the lack of creativity. There's no excuse for there there being no like. There's no layers to the offense. It's it's like we know what they're running. And and Tom Piccolo posted a nice little thread today of the Suns. Like we opened the game with like three straight Spain PNR pick and rolls, and the Suns just sat on it the entire time because they knew exactly what was coming. No opening was was created. Nothing was created. Um. And it's like, then you compare that to a team like Phoenix. Campaign is not a very good player. He's okay. He's fine. He gets into the paint constantly. And is some of that just because like he's good at getting into the paint? Sure. But they, but they scheme things up, and they're running a real offense. They're running actions. They're running all this shit. And they were doing it without Devin Booker on the floor today. So unless you want to tell me that Campaign is some fucking offensive juggernaut and McCall Bridges is some super dynamic on-ball creator and all that. Like, you can, there's, the evidence is staring at you in the face that there are teams that we have played, there are teams around the NBA that run much more creative, much more diverse offenses, much more dynamic offenses, even in lieu of having some amazing top 15, 20 player. It's a horseshit excuse. It is a horseshit excuse for people who, I don't know why, why are you so loyal to Don Thibodeau? And like, I like I genuinely mean this. Tom Thibodeau is not an idiot. He is not a terrible coach, but he has he's a shown clashes of real yeah. creativity too. Yeah. But he's not he is, uncreative he, by nature. Yeah. You know? he he is a coach. He's a, a short. Coach. Sh- yeah, he is a short. He's a coach who has a short shelf life. He has a finite period of time where he provides value, and after that, he has nothing left. Because he will not evolve. He does not really adapt. And we've seen this over the course of his career. Like, aside from cleaning up the team's shot distribution, it's not like that is being achieved through fundamental changes in the offensive system in terms of how, like, play design and play type and play calls. You know, it's just, oh, okay, now we know that three is better than a 20-foot jumper. So instead of spacing out, you know, three feet short of the arc, we're going to have guys space out to the arc or space out beyond the, beyond the three point line. Like there's not, but it's really... also, I mean, well, I, I want to ask you a specific schematic thing. It seems like, especially with quickly, but I think this goes with RJ too. There was a play, this kind of, this is what brought it up to me. There's a play where quickly got deep into the paint. Uh, I think this was against um, Denver. And he had to throw it out. Or maybe it was Golden State, I think. But he had to throw it out almost to half court to RJ. But RJ had space and room to get a head start. This is an adjustment that Indiana made with Victor Oladipo the year he made the All-Star team, where they just kept giving him the ball way closer to half court. Do you think, especially with guys that quickly, do you think we don't run enough high pick and rolls? Because like, it seems like when he gets it at the three-point line, like the pull-up three isn't there. Um, and I don't, I'm not trying to make this a quickly podcast or whatever, but they have guys who seem to do better with a little bit of like where they can, in RJ's case, get ahead of steam, in Brunson's case, get ahead of steam, or in Quickly's case, you know, pull up, right? 
Um, do you think like more high pick and rolls would be an adjustment you would make? No, I, I actually think we should probably run less pick and roll. Like I think teams just sit on that action. They know what we're doing. We but you are. Think it'd like, be better closer to half court. Where yeah, if we're, if you're gonna do it, I'd like the spacing to be better. I would like it if the guys off the ball weren't just static, standing in place, spacing the floor. Like watch, look at the Suns today. Every time Devin Booker drove the ball, somebody from the weak side was cutting into the paint. T- Julius- that's because Devin Booker is a limited offensive player. He's a what? A limited offensive player. Like correct. That's um, why they have to run these things. The Knicks have all stars. So yeah, right. So it's but it's just like like Julius got killed. He got absolutely murdered today by what's his name, Tory Craig, who like I hey, Tory Craig, your boy, but who did who did really nothing other than like try hard and move. Like that's basically it. Um. And yeah, like the point, of every Indian dad, yeah, and, and the point of this stuff is like at some point, Grimes was making cuts today. Nobody was hitting him. Do I think that everybody in the team was just ignoring him cutting? No, I think that like they don't look for cutters because they're not used to it. Because that's not what this offense calls for. It never calls for. It. We're one of the worst cutting teams in the entire league, maybe the worst. I haven't checked the numbers this year. I know we were last year. Like you're not doing anything with these guys off the ball so when you're running these pick and rolls it puts an inordinate amount of pressure on the ball handler to create and like i i I want to stop and just 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 real quick just real quick and and to that point like so when you see stuff like oh the knicks offense like collapses if one of brunson or rose is on the floor which is something that jonathan mackery uh tweeted today during the game that that to me is screaming it is a screaming indictment of your we need Alfred Payton. Yeah, but that's that's the point. Is He liked Alfred Payton. Why? Because Alfred Payton, you could run a basic high pick and roll for him, and he can get into the paint. That's it. That's the only reason he liked him. That's it. It had nothing to do with anything else. He can do that. That's why he doesn't think quickly as a point guard, because he doesn't think quickly gets into the paint more often enough, doesn't get to the rim often enough. He, he does not, and that's fine. If he doesn't think he's a point guard, fine. But the problem is, his view of who is a point guard, who is a lead ball handler, purely involves who he trusts the most to consistently run, pick and roll, and either score efficiently or create advantages. And if you don't fit into that, he doesn't think you're a point guard. And like, and, and, or he won't use you in that capacity. And what it does is, it just, like the reason Brunson is fine is because Brunson is just like an insane, efficient shot maker at every level, basically. You know, like, so he can just do it. He can just fucking do it. And Rose, when he's functioning, like he's still pretty good in pick and roll. He's still pretty dynamic. But like that's why the offense is so it's like a drug dependent on them. Because without them, he has nothing else. All he does other than that is try to scheme up, get a switch, get a mismatch, and then throw the ball to somebody to cook. That's his like that's re- literally what he does. And I'm not joking. If you go and watch a 1999 Knicks game, great team, love that team. That is all that team did. That team did nothing but hunt potential mismatches in ISOs. That was the entire offense. That is like what Jeff Van Gundy, Jeff Van Gundy, great defensive coach, one of the most miserable offensive minds, uh, really, just a really miserable offensive basketball mind. Who, guess who's his pro? Like, Tibbs learned under him. And He's taken a lot of the same offensive tenets of like give the ball to your best player, find a mismatch to pick on. Like, and these aren't inherently bad things, but if that 
if there if that's really the if that's like the core basis of what you're trying to achieve on offense, then there's just going to be a limitation to what you can ever be on that end of the floor. And to your point, like Julius has a what, 58 true shooting, whatever it was. Brunson has 58 true shooting. The offense is still, you know, bottom 10. And like, yes, do Quickly and RJ have to shoot better? Yeah, for sure they do. And other guys need to shoot better and whatever. But like, you have, as a coach, if you can't coax better play from guys or help them when they're struggling, like, it's the idea of like, when, when a quarterback is struggling, right? What do you do? You try and scheme up some like easy five yard throw into the flat just just to help them get into a rhythm, right? That's like a basic thing. Tibbs cannot help guys. He does not ever scheme up something easy to get a guy going. You know, like there's no, uh, when is the last time you saw us run a set and then like just have RJ on the opposite side of the floor and then have him cut, try and get a cut for a dunk or something like that? I don't remember the last time I saw it. Like he's incapable of, he does not, he does not coach that way. He doesn't view offense that way. And like, I know I'm spending a lot of time bitching about this, but I'm, I genuinely mean this. Like you can go look at my tweets today. And like the thing I was most annoyed about was just the grime stuff. Like, I don't get why he wasn't playing. I don't get why the beat won't ask him about it. Um, that's the only thing I was really pissed about. The rest of it to me is like, I, I don't know what to say really. Like it's just stupid and it's frustrating. And there are people that will like go to the ends of the world and make every fucking excuse for for the lack of any creativity and blame the players solely for it of for their performance and it's like look like when Tibbs does well I try to give him credit like I I gave him credit after the Utah and Denver games <coughs> for some basic adjustments he made I have no problem giving him credit when he does shit well but at the end of the day and this goes for Julius you by don't the way, have a problem giving him credit yeah I don't have any problem giving him credit when he does so well I would much rather he made me look like a fucking idiot, then be right. Like, because if I'm right, that means the Knicks are struggling and, like, we're losing games. I don't want that. And I don't want, I, or that they're just playing miserable basketball. Why the hell would I ever want that? Um, but, like, the point is, is, you know, and this, again, this goes for Julius too. Tim's is fully capable of giving you moments and games where you're like, good job, right? Good, good work. But the sum totality, is just we know what it's going to be. We know what it's going to be. There's nothing. There's nothing he's doing right now that you're like, wow. If another coach doesn't do this, we're fucked. Like he's not really providing. The defense has been atrocious. Like, and well, I'm I, mean, less, I, think, I think people. So I was just going to say I'm less concerned about the defense than a lot of other people are. But I do think a valid complaint about well, the defense is that defensive players in these plays them so. Well, I mean, that's part of it, but I also think some of it is just, like, getting locked into scheme, and, you know, Tibbs' defenses have, over his time in New York, have generally ticked up over time. Um, so I'm fine with all that, but, like, but like at the end of the day, there's no different... It's not like we're becoming a more diverse defensive team. You know? We're not throwing out, like, different schemes. Today, actually, it was kind of funny. He was really getting terrified of Devin Booker coming off high pick and roll, so he started trapping him. But they have no idea what the rotations are. So as soon as Booker swung it out out of a double team, all they had to do was make one more pass, and they got open corner threes constantly because nobody was on a string. And some of that was effort based. Watch Julius didn't just didn't move at all today. And some of it was just they didn't know what to do, 
or they didn't know who was supposed to go out in you know go challenge from the corner. There was one. This, this kind of gets me to where what I wanted to originally ask you was, and I've heard people make this comment about you know like not to go back to football, but spread offense teams, right? You run a spread offense, your defense only faces spread offense, then you have to, you know, or, or you know, a passing offense. Then you have to face a team that wants to run it down your throat. Um, do you think that happens with Tibbs? And do you think that the fact that the Knicks may not run the most sophisticated offense, do you think that hurts the defense where, you know, they double Devin Booker they expect the pass, but they don't expect the pass after the pass. They don't expect to have it. Or do you think it's just effort? Or I mean, how much do you think that plays into it? Because I think you kind of hinted at this before. Yeah, I mean, I'm not sure how much that plays into it. I've honestly not like considered. not practicing against. The, yeah, yeah. I mean, I get it. Like, I don't know. If, I don't know how much weight I put on that. Um, I don't think it's an invalid hypothesis or anything. I mean, not that I guess a hypothesis can be invalid. Um, but like, it's not an, an outrageous hypothesis. I just don't know how to feel about that because like like Golden State doesn't play like you know it's not like they're posting up anybody 15 times a game right but they've historically been a really good defensive team even against like post players so like Draymond is awesome against Anthony Davis historically right and he did a good job against Nikola Jokic and all this shit so like do you need to practice something or against something to be good at it defensively I don't know uh, I think it's more about your principles and executing them. And I think what it just lays bare is that us collapsing into the paint on every drive so hard. And it's like, you're playing drop, you're playing drop, you're playing drop, you're playing drop. So then when you try to do something different, um, it's really hard. And you don't, you're not used to making the extra rotations, right? So it's like, um, you know, especially when you try to do that stuff without Sims, because Mitch and Hartenstein just cannot move in blitzes and traps the way that Sims can. So it, it's, you know, I think there's multiple things at play there. So I'm not sure about that. Um, I I can't reject it outright, but I also wouldn't say, like, definitely 100%. Um, I just think, like, I just think they have let go of the rope defensively. Um, and uh, quite frankly, I think, like, Tibbs has allowed a lot of bad habits to creep in from certain players. Like, and if we want to name names, Julius Randle, who we talked about endlessly, but RJ Barrett too. RJ Barrett's like his defensive slippage at this point is fucking really concerning. And yeah, is he being he held? How much? I mean, well, let's talk about this. How much do you buy? I'm not going to name names, but there's been people who've mocked the idea that he was sick. I did not think that was in good taste. What's your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, look, I think it's bullshit to suggest that he wasn't sick. Uh, and I also think it's bullshit to pretend like that can't impact your play where I have a problem with it though. But Michael and, Jordan had a flu game. That's true. So RJ Barrett is a Michael Jordan. We now know that. Um, <laughs> but like the defense with RJ has been shit this year, even before this sick stretch that he's had. Right. Um, and by the way, like I think it's bullshit that to suggest that he wasn't that he like, I think it's. But he was palpably worse after the the when they've been talking about this. Hundred percent, hundred percent. But like this gripe isn't just about. It's not like it's just being brought on by this stretch. He's been bad defensively this year, and And I also will say. And also, I'll also say this in defense of Julius today. It's possible he was just really sick and like had no energy because 
reportedly the team has had some sickness going around. That's very possible. But in that case, then, like, why as a coach are you leaving him out there when he's just not giving you anything? You know? Like, that's the stuff with Tibbs where I just, I don't understand the man's decision-making at all. McBride is too much of a liability on defense. Yeah, maybe. But, like, it's like, did Obi have a great game? Again, because players, you know, we, we can only, you know, players only play, like, the, the player's performance should never be impacted by the coach. But also, when they play well, we should always just fucking verbally fillet the shit out of Tibbs, because that's a, that's apparently how this works. Um, but, like, Obi didn't have a particularly good game, but, like, if, I mean, we all watched what Julius was doing today. He just didn't move, he was not competing, he didn't have it, for whatever it's worth. You know, maybe that was sickness-induced, maybe not, I don't know. If he's not, if he doesn't have it, just throw Obi in there and see what happens. Like if you were getting your ass kicked, especially in the second half. Just fucking try it. Who cares? Like it, it's fine. Um, but like, yeah, I mean, I think the can RJ you, thing. I mean, can you think of coaches though that just quote unquote try stuff more than Tibbs up? I know we had um, Jordan Cohen on a couple of weeks ago, and he mentioned that you know Bernie Bickerstaff, for better or for worse, was willing to do some of those things. But how widespread do you? I mean, we might see something like that or see what some of the things that Atkinson tried. But I think you've watched a lot more basketball than maybe a lot of the fans of, that follow us. You know, how widespread is that relative to what Tibbs do, does? And, you know, especially given the context of, you know, we're not... Well, just just think about it at a very basic level. Is there any coach, look around the league right now, is there any other coach in the NBA that you would think over two plus years now, having Julius Randle and Obi Toppin on this roster, and given some of the play we've gotten at center at various stretches would have only played these guys together like 300 minutes combined. Doc River. That's about it. And guess what? Guess what? Tibbs coach under Doc Rivers. There's a reason. They're fucking really, really similar. Go check out all the shit the Philly fans say about Doc Rivers. It's the same thing. It's the same exact thing. Um, He only recently started like staggering. After they traded for Harden is when he like finally started staggering his stars so that, you know, one of Embiid, Harden, or Maxi was on the floor at all times. Before that, he just and that's not even the best adjustment to make because Maxi kind of is not as good without Harden. But that's a separate combo. But yeah, yeah. So it's just like I, I, I that's the easiest way I can explain it, is like I don't think the point is that Tibbs isn't the most creative mind. I think it's that he is to me pretty firmly the least flexible or yeah the the most inflexible most rigid coach in the entire NBA. Uh, I really don't think it's close. Like, you compare him, Steve Clifford, right? Steve Clifford was also a coach uh, with Tibbs in Houston under Jeff Van Gundy. They've obviously, they run very similar defensive schemes. They have similar defensive principles. Look at some of the stuff that Clifford's tried this year. Look at, like, just look at it. I'm not saying he's doing an amazing job. I haven't watched the Hornets enough to say that. But he definitely tries more shit than Tibbs does. I'll say that. Like, you have a coach who just isn't trying things. And this is a roster where you probably need to be trying stuff more often. Like, I don't know. I mean, does it make sense to have never, like, have we even tried Cam at the four this year unless we had a bunch of foul trouble, right? Like, that's why Cam played at the four against Memphis is because Randall fouled out. And for some reason, he couldn't play Obi. So Cam played at the four. Like, that's it. We only saw Cam at the four last year because of a massive slate of injuries that we had all of a sudden. For a short period, um, not even the massive slate. I think it was just Obi that got hurt, so he needed a backup four, and Cam was the guy. Like we don't try anything, and 
it is what it is. Like the most creative thing he does is what play. He's played Obi and Randall together a little bit more this year, but it's still like, why not try that today? You know what I mean? Like, I get like maybe the matchup. He maybe he didn't think the match. Maybe he didn't think the matchup was particularly good for it. You want to know what else the matchup wasn't really good for? Isaiah Harnstein and Julius Randle play together, but he did that. So like you like it, it, this, and this is the thing with Tibbs is we don't know is like okay he played Obi and Randle together. He's done it a few times this year, a couple times with great success, other times not so much. But is it a thing that he's even gonna like now that he has Mitch back? He has all the centers. I don't think it's that surprising he didn't try it at all tonight. I think that's like kind of the main concern with him is did you try it because you thought it would work or did you try it because Mitch was out and you were like, I don't want to go back to Hart and Steiner Sim, so fuck it. Uh and if you Mitch is back, are you gonna do it? Like, I don't know. I it doesn't seem like it. Um so I don't know. I, I just it's it's beyond me, like, you know, I, I don't I genuinely don't know what people are watching if they like feel there's no valid criticism of Tibbs. And like I also don't like this what about what aboutism. Oh well what about the fact that our front office didn't get down to Mitchell? And what about the fact that Julius Randle or or you know RJ Barrett's playing like an asshole? What a, okay, what about those things? Well, I'm not talking about those things. We can talk about them separately. <coughs> but like if you can't just say like either you think Tibbs is creative and not rigid and very flexible and tries a bunch of new things, and that his schemes are great, or you just don't, or, or, or like you're just deflecting from the fact that they're not. Like I don't get the point of a of being like, well, what about RJ? What the fuck about him? He's playing like shit right now. I'm not talking about oh, like okay, RJ Barrett is playing like shit, right? One. Why is the coach? Why did the coach play him forty nights or forty minutes the other night against forty days and forty? Yeah, nights. forty days and forty. Why did the coach play him forty minutes or whatever against uh, Golden State when he's playing like shit? Why did he play thirty-one minutes against Denver in a game he was easily the Knicks' worst player? He was probably the main reason that game was even close. That's how bad he was that day. Why are you playing him that much? And this speaks to the lack of creativity and flexibility. And like the point is also that. Okay, RJ Barrett's playing poorly. <coughs> Does the coach use him any different? Does he adjust for the fact that he's playing like shit? Does he? No, he just uses him the exact same way. Do you so, think it can be said for like keep going back to a guy? I know, think there's something to be said for that. So. I'm fine with that, but like, there's also something to be said if you're just playing like really bad. That I think it's okay to have your minutes cut for a little while. Yeah, yeah, at least I'm until, the way he uses them. But I agree with that. Yeah, but like, how is he? I don't know. I, to me, you can use him differently and still, like, keep him engaged. <clears throat> like, I, I, I don't know. I, I just watch this and I'm like, you know, like first game of the year, right? He has him guarding John Morant. Why? Why is that a thing? <coughs> I'm not feeling well, by the way. Um, I'm gonna like, I'm gonna tape this for for later for for posterity, by the way. Yeah. Um. But I just I don't know. I, I I'm not even ex- I'm not making an excuse for RJ, who I think has been fucking really bad throughout this year for the most part. But I watch him and I'm like, I mean, th- this is the thing with Julius too. I 
can sit here and bitch about Julius all you know, tub blue in the face. But if you're him, why do anything differently? Why should I do anything differently? Because, like, I get rewarded. I, I, nothing changes. I get the same exact usage, the same exact minutes, the same exact role, the same exact importance to the team, regardless of what I do. I mean, today, the Knicks, you know, look, the Knicks got blown out eventually. It was 73 79, pretty sure. They were down six, whatever it was. They got to stop. Okay. Julius Randle brings the ball up. And you're already like you could because of the game he had had today. You're already like, oh fucking god, this guy's he's definitely about to do some stupid bullshit. What does he do? He walks up, takes a st- up a pull up three off the dribble, brick. They come down, score two points at their end, and that was basically the end of the game. After after that, I think the Knicks went down eleven immediately, uh, and whatever. I'm not blaming. I'm not saying Julius is not responsible for that stuff himself. But you as a coach have to control things you can control. You're not controlling anything if you don't ever send a message to him, if you never hold him responsible for that stuff. And he doesn't. Like, the fact that Julius still takes that shot is ridiculous to me. And it was, it, again, it was like a moment in the game where it's like, okay, you have, you had kind of like, they had, the lead had gone to 11, they had cut it down to 6, Brunson had a few really nice moves, he, he was kind of starting to get going. Julius did not have a good shooting game, why is that an acceptable shot? Because if RJ took that shot, I would be pissed. I'd be pissed. And I bet Tibbs would be pissed. He wouldn't pull him, by the way. He'd be pissed about it, but he wouldn't pull him. But yeah, he maybe he is pissed at Julius. I don't know. I'm not looking at him staring. I didn't have a close-up of him after the shot. But he left him in the game. He didn't do anything. So why would you change? And I think there's some of that going on with RJ now, too, where it's like he's getting away with these lazy-ass, you know, how, like, Tibbs, or Tibbs. Prez has tweeted about this multiple times. He has closeouts where he doesn't even put his hands up, right? But like, if you if if he does that, and you never you don't say anything to him, you don't pull him, you don't you don't call a timeout, challenge him, you know, like if you're not doing that stuff, and also like like so you're not doing that, then why would he suddenly stop? Like why would he change his behavior? If anything, you've allowed that slippage to occur, and. I think the problem is that, like, maybe he is trying to hold RJ Campbell. I have no clue. Maybe he is getting on him in film sessions or something that I'm not aware of. But when you are not applying that same standard to Julius, I think that shit does fester. And I'm not saying it's right. I've actually I, I destroyed RJ on this pod with Prez last week. That, like, I don't care that, you know, you might be upset about that. You have to be personally responsible yourself for it. But, like, I think it's human nature to be like, well, this guy's can act like an asshole. I'm gonna not, whatever. What's he gonna do? Like, I, I'm gonna, I'm not gonna close. Out. I'm not gonna make this rotation. I'm not gonna box out. I'm not gonna pass someone I drive. You know, I'm gonna put up some bullshit shots. I think that's natural, and I think, I, 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 I think it's happening with RJ. I do think that's seeped into his thinking. Um, and quite frankly, I'm, I think Tibbs is very fortunate that guys like Obi quickly and. You know, some of these other dudes have not maybe le- leaned into that as much, uh, or at least have avoided the temptation to. Yeah, speaking of a player who hasn't leaned into that as much, um, I mean, we've all we've talked a lot about Emmanuel Quickly's defense and impact. The offense has been worse with him on the floor this season, not just to the eye, 
statistically. Um, he is still obviously a much a extremely positive on-off player because of how good he is on defense. But it's worrisome for a player who has a lot of talent on that end. Uh, doesn't seem like he's playing with confidence, um, you know, whether it's in this shot, whether it's, you know, knowing when to pass, like the kind of, it it felt really like it clicked last year and all, after the All-Star break. And, um, you know, it seems like that was kind of a two steps backwards and now we're taking two steps forwards and now we're taking a step back, um, you know, for, you know, just to, to be clear. So the Knicks have a 113 offensive rating without quickly on the floor, 110 with him on. I think this is the first year in his career that they've actually been worse on offense than on the floor. The defense goes from 120.98, so almost 121 without quickly, to 110. So his impact on defense, that's not questionable. But um, are you worried at all? Or um, you know, what, what do you think is going I mean, okay, if you're not worried, then... Are there fixes that need to be made? Is this just random? Get a new coach. Get a new coach. I I don't know what else to say other than that. Like, you I'm don't not be struggling at all with kind no. of. He's a young player. I don't care. I like that. I'm not saying that to be dismissive of you. Like, I'm not. I'm. I'm sorry. I've seen enough from this guy. Like, am I word Like, it's like Hartenstein. Do I like Hartenstein? Not not particularly. But you know what? I think it's pretty obvious he's being misused. Like. I watch quickly and I'm like, you want him to be Derrick Rose. Okay. Like, but you like, and you can see the the gears, like kind of like he's trying to bounce. Oh, I, he, yes, yes. He's had some really good games recently, especially against Utah. He, he played really well against Denver. He was awesome. Um, but like, you can tell he's really struggling to balance looking for a shot and setting guys up. And I think all the splits indicate this. The units with him and a point guard this year have been fucking awesome again, right? So with him, with Brunson, him with Rose, they've been really good again offensively. I think that he's struggling because he's mostly been used as a two this year, right? But then he has times where you're asking him to run point, and I think he's trying to distribute the ball and get other guys' looks, but he also needs to get himself going, and he's struggling to find that balance. I'm not. I don't even want to make excuses for him. I think like that's his own struggle that he's going through, which is why like I haven't really been sitting here praising his offense. You know, like it's not been great. He has to figure some shit out. He's got to be more confident with the shot. But like, I just watch so many guys in this team, and I think they're just all being misused. Like, I really fundamentally believe this team is not. And that's not to say like a new coach comes in and now we're going to be world beaters. But like, if Tibbs was the coach of the Utah Jazz right now. Do you think they're eleven and six or whatever the fuck they are, and and not just that they're eleven and six, that they're doing it in the way they're doing it? I mean, there's been some randomness there too. Is marketing going to play the three? No, probably not. Okay, so like right there, that's a that's it. Like that's a very very basic thing that is a massive difference. And so, like for me, am I worried about quickly? I'm not. I'm actually. I'm genuinely not worried about him at all. I think. He is going through some shit, and he'll figure it out. I am worried about him in the sense that, like, I continue to say this. I'm worried because I think that it is hard to stay as motivated as he has managed to be and as good of a team player and teammate and good soldier and all these things as he's been when it feel, when you feel like the coach doesn't value you. Or, or not that he doesn't value you. He only values you 
in the way that he has, sees you as a player. So, as here, here's here's a fun fact: Cam Reddish has started more games for the New York Knicks than Emmanuel Quickly. Fact. That is a fact. Cam Reddish has started more games in in his one and a half, not even one and a half years. He's barely, he's not even, he's not even played a full year with the Knicks, right? He has started more games than Emmanuel Quickly has in his entire career. The Knicks. And this is despite Quickly's very, very good play. Grimes has started eight, or Reddish has started eight times this year. Quickly has started six. This is not, if State is listening, this is not to shit on, on Cam Reddish. This is to point out that tonight was a perfect Verified example. State, by the way. Yes. This is. This is a tonight is a perfect example of the type of shit that if I'm quickly I'm like fuck this guy I'm so over it. Cam Rogers is out with an injury, right? Okay. Grimes has been situational, and we were told that part of the reason he's situational is oh we're working up his you know he's trying to he's got to get his conditioning up and blah 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 blah. Okay, fine. If that's the case, why not just start quickly today and have Grimes come in off the bench? But no, that's not what he did. He starts Grimes. Grimes plays starter minutes. Apparently, magically between, uh, and he's not even he's not even opposed to. He's actually played quickly and Brunson together a lot, right? Um, so I, I do don't wonder understand. if like Rose has kind of not been very good. I do wonder how much he believes in that quickly needs to carry the bench thing, and it does give quickly more reps. I'm less actually upset about that. I'm not I, saying I, I think, I'm not think, that upset about it either. What I'm saying is that if you're Emmanuel Quickly, you just know this coach, he's never going to give me a shot in any way. I, I don't think that's why he's playing poorly. I think like he gets these opportunities. He's played twenty five plus minutes for the last few nights in big games. And you see a lot of kind of the, But guys want to start, dude. Like guys wanna guys, know guys, guys wanna know like it's not even just like it's it's not even just like the kind of guy where the problems he's having right now, scoring and distributing and all that is related to this. I don't think it I I I I, dev, I think there is definitely something there. He has been his agent But he has he's this hold, 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 hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. His agent was talking reckless this year about not reckless, but he was you know quote tweeting Benji and all this shit about how quickly he's a good soldier and it's amazing that he's kind of kept this mentality up. I don't think I don't think that it means something necessarily that the Knicks are listening on calls for him. I do think the fact that that's out there publicly, I think that is probably being leaked by somebody in Quickly's camp, which isn't maybe, I don't think that necessarily means, oh, I want to leave New York, but I do think it's like, hey, let's... Not up or shut up. We saw similar things with Mitch. Um, I um, can't, I mean, I, from what I've heard, from certain people, that smoke is very real. But I'm just saying, I do not think that's what drive what's driving Quickly's play right now. I think he's still figuring out kind of some of the nuances of being both an on like of his role. Um, which I don't put that much on. I think one of the great things Tibbs has done is that he has allowed Quickly to do both things. He's allowed him to play off ball. He's allowed him to be on ball. Um, Quickly seems very hesitant to pull up off of screens. He's way too hesitant off of three. Um, you know, like the like if what we had the after last year All Star break, and by the way, all these issues were there. I don't see that, and I, I you know I kind of wanted to talk about 
what can he do to, to make that come back? Because I do think that's something that, um, as good as I think he is, like figuring out how to bottle that and bring that every night is the next step for him. And by the way, I think that with his defense and everything else he's done, um, you know, it, that is an all-star if he gets back to what he was doing last year and what we know where he's capable of. I was just, I was more curious about, you know, but it seems like, you know, you, you don't think, I think, I, I just don't think that's related to, I don't think this is a dude that mails in basketball ever. That's part of the reason we love him, you know? Uh, I don't, I don't think, I don't know how you don't think that plays into this stuff. Like, if he's, if he's constantly having to, like, try to prove to Tibbs XYZ thing, oh, I can do uh, so, so you're taking, oh. sorry, sorry, you're taking a different, my point was more, I don't think he's, like, just not engaged. You're saying that he's more nervous or whatever. Or I don't like, think he's affecting I, his decision. We have multiple guys in this team that have talked about, like, they don't know what the hell their role is. Rose said it. Fournier said as much. Grimes' entire situation makes no sense. Uh, like, he he himself said that he didn't have plantar fasciitis. Then we've had, you know, Wally said on the broadcast today that he did have plantar fasciitis. Uh, we don't know what the hell is going on with him. And, okay, that is what it is. But there are guys that don't know their role. That's two vets. One guy who's not now not in the rotation are saying they don't know what their role is on this team. If if they're saying it, especially if Derek Rose is saying that, I don't think it's just them. I think it's multiple guys in this team. Other than Julius Randle and Jalen Brunson, it would not surprise me if nobody else in the team really has a clear idea of their role. I guess RJ does too. He probably just hates it, which is his own fucking problem and he needs to get the fuck over it a little bit. Not a little bit, a lot bit. Um, but like, I think there's a lot, there's a lack of clarity over a lot of things. I bet if you ask Hartenstein, what does he think his role is? I mean, he probably knows his role. His role sucks for like what his skill set is. It doesn't really make any sense. Um, you know, other than that, I don't know. I, I think there are plenty of guys that just don't know their role. And if we, I, it's human nature for that to impact, not necessarily maybe your effort. I don't think I, I don't watch quickly and think his effort's lacking. I, same thing with, like, OB or, you know, uh, Grimes or, you know, fucking whoever. Most of these guys are not questioning the effort. Uh, you know, the only two guys' effort, really, I would question are RJ and Julius. Other than that, I don't question anybody's effort. But I do think if you're confused by what the coach wants from you or what your role is or, you know, what your responsibilities are, that it does... It will seep into your decision making. It will impact your confidence on the floor. It will impact how you play. Um, like one of the main things I think people forget is what after. So when quickly really took off last year, it was Derrick Rose basically got ruled out for the year, and Kemba was done, and therefore he knew. Okay, now no matter what, I am playing. I'm going to be the backup point guard. This is my role for the rest of the year. Should he have started at some point? Yeah, probably. But whatever. He at least he knew exactly what his role was, and he took off. And he played super... Look, watch how he played after All-Star break compared to like the, the month before that, when his minutes were all over the place. And anytime he struggled, he got pulled quick. Like, it obviously affects him and affects many players. Like, he doesn't know his role right now. And we can say, like, well, he played him 25 minutes against Utah and Denver. Like, so clearly he just has to play... like. Yeah, he he plays him, but like we've also seen him 
But it, that, like, he's not going to get a starting role with Brunson on, unless he starts at the two. But so, but why? Know, but in that That's case, but in that case, you know, it's not the same kind of role, right? He gets more on-ball opportunities on the bench. Okay, but like, what I'm saying is that like, I don't know if he necessarily has to be a point guard or if that's desperately what he wants. But I do think you're going to get more from him and more from a lot of guys and this team if you just have clearer expectations of them and are obvious with your intent. Yeah. Intent. So, but how do you? And I just think and it's funny. And it's, it's I think people from his camp have also mentioned that once they signed Brunson, that was kind of a sign, which it shouldn't be because Brunson's just a great player and they play well together. How do you manage that too, right? Because you know, well, that's why you, you give him that same confidence, right? That that's why you need to get a different coach. Like this, this coach is not his message is not getting through. I think he's lost a lot of guys in the locker room, even if they're not dogging it on the floor. I would be shocked. Like think of it, think of it this way. Do you remember like Quickly's rookie year and early last season? It was like this. Oh, Tibbs loves Quickly. Quickly loves Tibbs. He needs a coach that he loves a coach that. Re- When's the last time you saw any like chummy stuff between them? Between, I haven't seen anything between IQ and Tibbs. Yeah. When's the last time you saw like, oh, nice, that's a nice little moment. You know, I haven't seen any of that shit. Um, and I don't know if you saw this that Jalen Brunson interview with Ahmad Rashad that they posted on the Knicks YouTube channel. I think on Friday, maybe. I thought it was kind of it was kind of funny. People should check it out. Maybe I didn't want to clip it because I didn't want to. I didn't want to have a bunch of people that like love. Tom Thibodeau tell me that I'm a hater and I'm reading way too much into stuff. Um, but clip it. I'll oh, at clip the end, it. they asked him about the trade rumors? Or? No, they asked him about Tibbs. They were asking him about, like, oh, the Tibbs. And he was just like, he gave, like, a very boring, you know. It was just like, oh, yeah, Tibbs is great, wonderful, whatever, right? And Ahmad Rashad kept saying, like, oh, yeah. Like, he kept trying to get more out of Brunson on the topic of Tibbs. And Brunson was just giving him, like, very pro, very professional, just nothing answers, right? And it's like, that's not to say that Brunson is out on Tibbs, but do you, don't you feel like we were getting all these stories his first year and even into, you know, a month or two into last year of like how these guys are like all, oh, they're, they're all Tibbs guys and like <coughs> his personality is perfect for like these young guys who take after like what he's preaching. I don't hear any of that shit anymore. I don't see it either. Like, do they put in the effort, and do they play hard? Sure. But it, it sure doesn't look and feel like a happy team. It doesn't feel like the vibes are great. It doesn't feel like they're necessarily pulling and playing for the coach. Um, so, you know, maybe that doesn't matter to some people. and Maybe it shouldn't matter to me. I'm open to that argument. But, like, I, again, I, I just I feel like I'm a broken record at this point, and this pod, podcast probably fucking sucks today because I keep saying the same things, and I'm, probably not, I'm not even coherent about it. Uh, but I think Tibbs is just a massive problem, and until they move on from him, this is what it is. And quickly, it will be inconsistent. RJ will suck. Uh, maybe they'll get it together at some point because players do that, right? You get have bad form, good form, whatever. Uh, Julius will be Julius. It, it's all whatever to me. We're not getting anywhere right now, and um, I just hate that like the front office has done things that I like. But they are tied to a coach who I personally think is unfit for the job at this point. And um, the longer he stays, the more inclined I am to just be like, well, fuck the front office then too. Um, 
and that is what it is. So, you know, again, we can sit here and talk about Julius. We can sit here and talk about RJ, which God knows I did a bunch of that with Prez on Friday. Um, but like, I'm at, I'm just at the point where it's like I literally don't care about the players. Even I just would love if we replaced the coach and saw what else they had. Uh, but you know, maybe that's why the front office doesn't want to do it because they you fire the coach. And now all of a sudden, if the players don't take the jump that maybe you believe they have in them, or things don't change that much, maybe maybe Dolan's uh, Sauron eye turns to you. Uh, I did want to ask you also. Um, so I, one thing is, I've seen a lot of Tibbs defenders in one breath say, you know, Tibbs should have uh, rebuilt, done a true. Oh, sorry, not Tibbs. Sorry, a lot of Tibbs defenders have gone at Rose and say, Leon Rose gave Tibbs a shitty roster. I don't think they realize how much they're shitting on some of the current Knicks young players. Um, but, okay, fine. If that's what you think. They're uh, basically like treating Tibbs like some messianic figure that like single-handedly like gave us 2020, 2021. Yeah, and they're season. treating Emmanuel Quickly and R.J. Barrett and Cam Reddish like they're Frank well, Milikina. Here, here's another part of it, too. Like, I think me, me and you, I think it's fair to say, like, we'd both probably be happy to move on from Julius Randle. Is that fair to say? Have been fair? No, I'm saying, is it fair to say that we would both be happy to move on from Julius Randle? Yeah. Okay. I I, I feel very confident. Like, I, I don't care about him. But, like, are we sure that Tibbs was more critical to that season than Julius Randle was? You know what I mean? So it's like, if we're going to be able to shit on Julius despite that season, why is it impossible for us to be critical of Tom Thibodeau's performance after that season too. You know what I mean? Like, I don't, I don't really like, again, like n- none of these guys is the Messiah. Like we don't have, yeah, they're not Luka Doncic. They're, they're not, my, they're not Giannis. They're not Steph Curry. My, my not, point is more this, right? Like, I think a criticism I've seen from people I respect a lot is, you know, Leon Rose should have come in and done a full rebuild, a true rebuild. I actually don't think that wasn't, I actually think that was their intent. And then Randall had the great season. You know, it all worked out. They wanted to, Wink, wink, tank while still playing hard. I think that's what they did. They wanted to do when they came in. Didn't happen. Um, and um, so, you know, it, that, that threw a wrench in things. But that, even if you don't want to use that as an excuse, fine. And I've seen the same people say, well, damn, if you gave Tibbs Donovan Mitchell, you got rid of all these scrubs like Grimes and RJ. And uh, that's what I want to ask. Like, if your argument is that Randall and Brunson. And um, and Donovan Mitchell would have like been a worthwhile thing to make happen. I actually, you know what? Go for it. I don't agree. I don't. I I think we are going to see Mitchell come back down, not to earth, but like the upper edges of the Earth's atmosphere, right? Um, yeah, I don't think he's like the top ten guy that he's, he's played like at times this year. Top five, I would argue so far, and it's really impressive. I don't want to take anything away from him, um, but um. But this is just a fact. I don't. I'm that that the Knicks team wasn't going anywhere. I don't think I'm willing to make that bet. Um, but um, beyond that, um, you know, you, like you can't have it both ways. Like if your argument is that the Knicks should have traded for Donovan Mitchell, they weren't willing to go all in. Fine. Um, or if your argument is they should have done a true rebuild. Well, A, there's a lot of evidence they've done a lot of those things, right? They've accumulated assets where they could get them. You know, there weren't really great opportunities to accumulate good assets. 
And B, you know, they look at me. They got at the fifty eighth fucking pick in the draft. Like Sims is awesome, right? Am I wrong in thinking that? Like he's, I mean, you know, like people love to fucking fillet Paul Reed. NBA Twitter loves to fillet Paul Reed. Like, is there anything Sims like he gives us? Like, okay, he's a little bit more versatile offensively, but Sims gives us that. I think I'm about the fifty eighth fucking pick. They haven't really maybe Trevor Keels. They haven't really made a bad draft pick. Um, so they've been rebuilding, but it's just like, but if you're going to pick one, stick to one of them. If you want to stick to like, you know, the rebuild was a bad idea, then you can't use the fact that, well, maybe Brunson, Randall, and Mitchell together would have been good. And if you want to argue that Brunson, Mitchell, and Randall were to be good, were, would have been good together, then don't give me this bullshit about, I wanted a true rebuild. No, you wanted to get a quote unquote star, no matter what, no matter who it was just to make New York competitive again and then see that, you know, maybe you're sold on... I mean, I've seen people say this, and, like, I'm not going to say it's a crazy opinion. I don't agree with it, but, you know, Donovan Mitchell is your best player, Jalen Brunson is your number two, Julius Randle is your number three. Like, let's see how that would have been, right? Yeah, no, I'll say it. I'll say it. I think it's fucking crazy. Anybody that wants to argue that with me, I mean, let's Maybe talk. it's a five seed, and maybe Mitchell did no. would hit that. I mean... I you and I, as much as blows, as much way. as me and you, you and I both believe that Mitchell is going to come back down. I I think he'll. I think there he's was really something. good. He's an all star for obviously, and, and I think there is there is something to the idea that he like getting out of Utah was good for him. I think he could very much end up in that ten to fifteen range. But um, an MVP caliber player, I don't know, and I, I also not the kind of guy I'd want next to to Randall, or the the idea that him Randall and, and Brunson was some you know world beater. So, um, you know, I, I, but I just want people to pick a lane, you know, you can't, you can't talk out of both sides of them out there. Um, I, I, so, I mean, so let me ask you this because people have said, just, just, I just, stated this, I, yeah. I don't think those are, I don't think it's, I think it's inconsistent to, to both criticize the front office for being not willing to commit to a rebuild and criticizing them from not getting Don Mitchell. Am I right in that? Or is that, is well, there a consistent I, opinion there? No, no, I, I Look, I flat out said it. I think, I think the people that are doing that are doing it to defend Tibbs. That's all it is. Like that's it's it's just about defending Tibbs. It's not about what they actually because again, if you wanted a true rebuild, whatever the fuck that means. Um, I mean, I know what it means, but like, I I I honestly hate that term. Um, I think that was their plan the first year. To your point, like they they had like seventeen million in cap space left over after that offseason. They didn't sign any long-term contract that offseason. Uh, they clearly were like, let's just get to some baseline level of competence. Let's play hard. Let's develop the young guys that we pick and the young guys we inherited, and let's see what happens. Right? That's fine. Uh, they ended up being a lot better than I think. Nobody thought they were going to go 41 and 31. Okay? Nobody. So, you know, I don't. sometimes it just shit happens. You got to – it is what it is. I also think we need to accept this, and this is a fact. Under James Dolan, no front office, not a single front office, has ever done more than one intentional tank year. That is not to say that the Knicks have not had multiple shitty seasons in a row. We know they have. But no front office, especially recently, you can go Phil Jackson, you can go uh, Steve Mills, Scott Perry, you can do this Leon Rose one. None of those front offices have ever engaged in more than one outright we're tanking year. And as soon as they finish that year, it usually is all about, okay, now we got to try to get good and add pieces. I'm not saying that's great ownership or that that's right. 
but that is what you sign up for. That is a fact. Like, when you sign up to do this job for James Dolan, that is a fact you have to live with. That is it. So, like, I think that needs to be said. So anybody that's like, oh, why didn't they do a true rebuild? Why didn't they tank for three fucking years like Philly did or whatever? You're never going to get that here. And if if you can't accept that, but that, I, and I after missing. Julius Randle went off, like that wasn't going to happen. When Ju- like they have tanked, they tanked one year, they tanked the RJ year. Yeah, but um, that wasn't them, right? That was Steve Mills, Scott Perry, right? But and Phil Jackson tanked. Is, Phil Jackson tanked one year, and, but they, and they, like it, it might have been their attention to tank the the year yeah. they got Obi. Like the year they drafted Obi, I think they wanted to get rid of Randall. Or who knows? No, no. So, so no. So, that, so that they know they they drafted Obi. They drafted Obi, but they didn't take like they took over mid, kind of like right at the end of the before COVID happened. Um, that's when they took over. They didn't really have a chance to like set a direction. So we don't know what they would have done if for the rest of that season. You know, maybe they were just going to be like sit everybody. Let's just try and maximize our draft slot. But they took Obi. And then it was like, okay, uh, you know, again, I think their plan was let's trade Randall. Randall ends up playing well, so now you change your plan. Maybe they shouldn't have. I think that's, a, I think that's actually a valid criticism of them. Um, but, but like, but ultimately, like to your point, yeah, I agree. I don't, I don't. Get, you can't because none of the who the hell was like, oh, a lot of people, right, will be like, well, Tibbs is trying to win. So why would he start quickly? Why would he play Obi Wan minutes? Why would he do? That's like a lot of shit that we heard last year, right? To justify not starting quickly and not playing Obi Wan was like, well, Tibbs is trying to win, whatever the fuck that means. Like, oh, as opposed to the coaches out there who are just like, yeah, I don't really care if we win or not. Whatever, fuck it. Like, okay, fine. Tibbs wants to win. If Tibbs wants to win, then you never had a shot at some like true rebuild, right? So if you're cool with Tibbs. Don't don't tell me. Don't be critical of the front office for not doing a true rebuild. You know you you can't you can't have it both ways. Because if you want to criticize the front office for that, then you also need to accept that they need they should fire the coach and that the coach. So if you want to be like we should clean house in the front office because these guys didn't do a true rebuild and that's what we need to do. Fine, but then you need to also be like okay, we need to fire Tips, and you need to be more critical of this performance because he's not putting development over anything else, right? So, like, I, I agree with you. I do think it is talking a little bit out of both sides of your mouth. And um, I also think that there is, like, it's it's a constant, it's a constant moving of the goalposts, right? Where it's like, oh, well, the front office didn't get him good defenders, so, of course, the team's defense sucks. But then... You're like you watch quickly. You watch Grimes tonight. You see how Reddish has developed, and you're like, "Well, did they I, mean, not I like him? quickly just in his role, you know?" Right, true. But it's like it's like so. Did they not get him good defenders, or is he just not using them as much as he should? And you see, stuff, oh well, like what else can he do? Like this is the roster he has, and you're like, "Well, like I don't know." You watch teams around the NBA; they like throw a lot of shit out there, throw different combinations out there. Like, are we sure that? Like, the Froster is actually as bad as people... Like, that's my thing is... I, I guess that's where my biggest disagreement with a lot of people who say that stuff is, is, like, I don't think this roster is that bad. And quite frankly, wasn't the entire thing before the season that, like, this was a 500 roster? So nobody thought this was, like, a terrible, yeah, awful roster. Yeah, but they are 8-8 eight and eight right now, right? So. 
So. Are they eight nine or eight nine? Eight nine. You're right. Yeah. But I mean, they've been they have been within one game of five hundred since they were like three and three. I think. Yeah. Basically so, all season. So yeah. like they've just been like that is one thing you said. Tibbs has met expectations as um, cynically as you could meet them. But yeah, yeah, he's he's like that. That's what this team is. Um, and they're doing it, but it's like inherently a five hundred team can't not have any talent, which isn't like to be like oh the Knicks have the fucking best talent situation in the league or, you know, an amazingly perfect one. But it's like, no, there are guys here that are talented for sure. Like, Jalen, I don't know, like, you, like, I don't watch Jalen Brunson play and be like, man, what a lack of, you know, I, I watch him and I'm like, man, this guy is a fucking, geez, he's a, he's a real hooper. He's a bucket. He's different. Um, but I don't know. I, I just, it's, it's all like very confusing to me. And ultimately my, I just, <coughs> I really believe that coach, you should not. Nobody should ever get tied to a coach unless you have like a top five, seven guy. There's like a handful of coaches who are legitimate. New- I, I would say there's like three. Well, guys like Bickerstaff are tough because I really do like them, but it's like Spolstra. They haven't proven it yet. It's like Spolstra, but, but, Lou, and honestly, even Pop is like getting there. <laughs> but I, yeah, those but are my like, three. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, think her, is good. Okay, so I think, think your five to seven is good. It's yeah, good. but it's like my point is like there's five to seven coaches who are like genuine needle movers, and the rest of them that doesn't mean the rest are bad, but it does mean like the rest of them should be viewed as okay. Let's just see how well things are going, and when things fuck up, then we'll look for an actual needle mover. And, like, Tibbs served his purpose. And I, I mean this. Like, Tibbs did the job that you hired him for. The Knicks are not a total joke anymore. The Knicks did establish some level of competency, you know? Um, the Knicks are more appealing, I think, to players, stars. Like, we know that Donovan Mitchell wanted to come here. We know this. Like, he literally has said this he on the record. He said this a bunch of times yeah. afterwards. Yeah. So, so, clearly, that part of it worked. Like, you are more attractive to star players. Great. Do you think star players are going to be like of the surgery I had? But yeah, maybe. But like, like, do we think star players are are they going to? Oh wow, they fired Tibbs. Now I definitely don't want to go to New York anymore. Like, he's not this massive draw, and he's not pushing you in the right direction anymore. And quite frankly, the roster, like, the the main issue is that like if you keep Tibbs, I think you're actually sending out the message which should concern us as fans and does kind of concern me of like, do they actually want to move in the direction that act, that makes the most sense? And that's kind of the thing. Like there is one, okay. There is one kind of globule of things you can criticize the front office for. You can say, if you, if you say they, they should have picked a true rebuild at this point, you can, if you say a true rebuild means either you fire Tibbs, the coach who, absolutely refuses to sign on to that or you trade his toys they've done neither of those things that is the lone criticism um last year the the fact that they instead of trading drafting and there were a few good guys uh i was a big fan of bones but you know herb jones whatever there was some valid criticism where the cam reddish trade looked bad uh, it's it really sucks he got hurt again by the way i i hope he's okay um you know, it's just very unfortunate that right when you started to click, it happened. But you can see kind of the wisdom in that trade. <clears throat> By the way, Herb Jones is shooting 17% from three. Um, he picked it up now. He's all the way 17. up to 
17, like Fetty Wap, 17, 38. He, he's picked it up now. He's all the way up to 29.6. Um, yeah, I can't so, believe we didn't fucking pick him. So, um, like by the way, he's attempted. He's attempted. I want to make sure we get this. He has attempted 27 threes on the season. So, yeah. Yeah. So, um, I mean, obviously a great defender, but, you know, I, I'm skeptical that would have worked as well in the Knicks. But um, the point is, like, they've made these – They've on the draft night, you know, we'll see what happens with this trade from this year. I'm not crying myself to sleep over Jalen Duran. I love Tari Eason, but even that guy has a long way to go towards being like a really functional NBA player. Um, and um, you know that's um, you know they've done a good job. It's just it's this Tibbs, Randall, and Fournier that's not letting that breathe. And at some point, to your point, um, that is a legitimate arg- criticism. But I want us to be very clear about what we're criticizing the front office for. It's not. You know, if it is we didn't trade for Donovan Mitchell, then be clear about that. But don't just say, you know, don't just throw vague stuff out there and then say, you know, they they don't plan for the future or they don't they they've drafted how many guys have they drafted quickly? Obi, uh, Sims, um, Deuce has played well when he's gotten minutes, right? Um, you know, they um, they drafted um, who am I miss? I know I'm missing someone. Grimes, right? Um, they've drafted you know they they traded for Cam. They've drafted, they've drafted like six guys that <laughs> are young players over the last three years. That's, you know, they've, they've done that part, you know? And you can say they haven't gotten a star, but how were they supposed to without tanking? And I think to the extent they wanted to tank, that plan went out the window, you know. Well, it's like it's like the there. one guy you could, I guess, say like he's a star and they should have picked him would have been like Bane. Bane, yeah. But, but I mean, I'm not going to, I can't kill. I, like, I you can say Obi over Maxi or yes, Halliburton. I guess but. Halliburton, whatever. But like, I don't know. I just think those are. It's like, and we also got it. I mean, at least in terms of impact, you like advanced stats. Then quickly is, um, I think I don't. I'm gonna see this. Like, quickly is is up there. Like, probably Bane level, right? I I still at this point I would take Bane over quickly, but it's not like we traded. It's not like taking Clee Anthony early over Nikola Jokic, and even that I don't complain. I think. If you're complaining about Cleanthon early over Nikola Jokic, like you need to go out, you need to touch grass. You know, like sometimes that shit happens, and we still got a good player out of it. I mean, not in Cleanthon early's case, the quickly case, but yeah, I was all over the place. But I think you uh, you follow what I'm saying. Yeah, um, yeah. I just it is what it is. Um, I. Uh, I don't know. I'm like kind of at a point where it's like they again. I don't even know what else to say anymore. We've talked about this endlessly. Like they need to pick a direction. Um, I think there's only one direction to go in with this team. Um, So yeah, it's just it's not. It's not even a big decision to me. It's like okay, we tried to make the Julius Randle led Knicks a thing. Didn't work. Let's move on from the coach. Let's try to move Julius if and when we can. And other, and like in the meantime, move a guy like Derrick Rose. Get rid of him. Like he's he's not important to your team right now. And if he is important to you in ways that I can't like that have to do with intangible locker room stuff, then that's cool, but like sit him. Like you've got to play all your young guys. That's what you need to do. 
And I don't think that needs to be that needs to mean irreverent tanking, but it does need to mean like you again just put put them on the floor a lot, try a bunch of combinations, see what happens. And if that's a problem, if Julius Randle is an active obstacle to that, then it's on you to move him, and or you to find a coach who's going to either get better performance from him or hold him accountable and feel comfortable challenging him. Um, because we know Tibbs isn't that guy. Tibbs isn't going to do it. So um, that's that. And then look, let's let's just we can just say it. Like I think we're at the point now with RJ Barrett, where like <coughs> I mean, what I, I'm beyond disappointed with him right now. Um he's been the offensive stuff like I don't know. I figure I do I do think like the sickness that's part of it and you know he, he like it's kind of weird when he fell off, right? He had just had like a couple of really good games and then he just completely falls off. So I'm buying that there's some sickness stuff going on with him. But like, you know, we've talked about the decision making in terms of creating for others. But then I thought like the defensive fall off is just so Brutal and like, I mean, I don't think he's out of shape or that he's like fat. He's worse than he was as a rookie because it's no. it's it is it is on. I mean, it's definitely worse than last year when I did. Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, obviously, I loved his defense his sophomore year. But he he looks too big. Like he looks too pause. big. Like when he when he sprints. Like watch him when he's okay. The Knicks miss a shot offensively, so he has to get back. He's like it like takes him a step or two to like be able to really get into top gear. He's not moving well. And like, again, maybe that is sickness, but like I haven't really think thought he's been moving that well all year. And Prez has talked about this a lot, but like, I just think he needs to not be like, he's just too jacked right now. I don't need him to be like six. He looks like he's like six, six two, thirty five or something. I don't know. Maybe he needs to get down to like two twenty again. And I don't and he know needs who, to try out for edge rusher, you know. Maybe, but like I don't know who said this. Um, somebody said that like if he constantly keeps starting out season slowly, then maybe he needs to rethink what he's doing in the off season. And I kind of think there's something to that because it's like do, does the sick because last year apparently he was sick around the same time too. I'm sick right now, so I kind of and like I know a lot of like there's literally sickness going around. Everywhere because I think it's there's like, like been a pandemic the last couple of years. I've, I've heard people talk about it. I, don't, yeah. I haven't really experienced it, but um, but like if if he kind of needs like time to play his body into a better place every year, then he needs to stop doing. Like he needs to get on a better off season workout regimen, uh, regimen, and like figure out a better way to come into the season. Because I, I'm sorry, like I just can't watch. Like he's just so one pace right now and he's not even leveraging his size and strength effectively enough and it's like really disappointing because you'll have these stretches where it's like oh wow it looks like he's made a progression as a finisher around the rim and then and then he has like four games in a row where you're like can you make a fucking layup dude is that possible you know like, i don't know I, I'm, I'm i'm like somewhere in between i'm not concerned in terms of like i'm fairly confident he's gonna bounce back and he'll probably end up being decently efficient, um, relatively speaking. But, like, we probably need to be concerned of, like, is there really, like, how much star upside potential, whatever, is there here? And also, like, 
given the defensive slippage, isn't that an argument again for like getting a new coach involved and seeing if it's a voice thing? Like if it's like he's not responding to Tibbs anymore, a different guy gets more out of him. I don't know. Like there's just a lot of stuff with him that's disappointing. And then at the same time, there's stuff that I'm like, maybe he's just checked out on Tibbs. I don't know. I, I And I, I also like I watch him right now on offense and I'm like, I just look at a guy that I think is, it feels like every time he's, um, it, it feels like he's trying to justify his contract every time he gets the ball. Instead of making the right play, he's like, I got to score. I got to show the like, I can be a 25 point per game guy or whatever. I got to prove my contract. And it's like, you're actually doing the exact opposite right now. And you're kind of just playing a fucking asshole. Um, I, I don't know. Today I actually thought like his finishing again was terrible, but I didn't have a huge issue with like the shots he was taking, but it's like, why am I talking about him like this? He's in year four. Um, he's gotten a shit ton of minutes. He started a shit ton of games. I don't think he's been treated so poorly by the organization or anything. And I just think he needs to put up or shut up. Yeah. Um, I, I think um, it's, I mean, it's been a very discouraging start to this season. Um, besides free throws, you can't really point to anything. I do wish every game wasn't a referendum on RJ's future. Um, we'll see. Uh, it seems to be like he's going through some stuff beyond the sickness. Um, you know, I, it's, it's very discouraging and, if this is the RJ we have, realistically, like I don't know what any front office does right now because that is it. I think there's people who said if RJ isn't a superstar, we're fucked no matter what. Um, but right now, he doesn't even look like a plus NBA player. Um, he, I've seen him be that. I need to. See, I needed to see him do that for a whole season this year, uh, but it ain't happening. So um, you know, it's um, it's just got to change, but. You know, there's a lot of things that got to change with this team. So, uh, real quick, the NBA season is heating up, and there's still so many unknown things going on in the NBA. Who knows who could win the Atlantic Division? Probably won't be the Knicks. When I'm looking to get in on the action, I bet with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. New customers can bet just five dollars pregame money line on any NBA team to win their game and get $150 in free bets if they do. Check this out right now. Everyone can earn up to a 100% boost with DraftKings Stepped Up Same Game Parlays. Go to the DraftKings Sportsbook app, place a same game parlay, and combine multiple bets like which team will win, total rebounds, and more. The more legs you add, the bigger the boost, the bigger your shot to win big. Download the app now, sign up with code TBPN, place a $5 pregame money line bet, on any NBA team to win their game and get $150 in free bets if they do. That's code TBPN, only a DraftKings Sportsbook. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Um, yeah, like, I, I don't know. I It's like th- this whole sickness thing is really throwing me off because it's like I feel like an asshole for just being like, get over it, play better. But I'm like, I don't know. Like, if you're sick... If you're not 100%, forget sick. So if you're just not 100% and you're struggling with your shot, right? You still got to find ways to impact and help your team win ballgames. And, like, he's the one that's 
putting himself on the floor, right? If he actually feels like such shit, then just sit out. Tell like you should be able to be like, hey, look, man, I just don't have it tonight. I, I really can't do it. And if he can't do that because Tibbs is insane or something, then again, another reason to fire Tibbs. But I'm not. I don't want to put that on Tibbs. I'm not going to put that on Tibbs. He's not a fucking doctor. You know, he's not the doctor. He's not. He's got it. Like he, he can't know if RJ Barrett's being cleared, and RJ's not telling him like I I got nothing. Then he's gonna have to. Then, he, then he's gonna he'll play him. Um, so like he's hurting the team, but like ultimately it's his choice to be on the floor. So I can't give him a pass on how he's playing. And again, like he's not doing things that he needs to be doing. This is like this is honestly exactly like that stretch last year at the exact same time of the year, and it it also happened. At the start of last year, he looked great, and then he had this fucking month-long thing where he played, like, absolute shit. And it's like, so the difference for me between him and Quickly, when Quickly's playing like this, like a horror, like he's going through an offensive struggle, he's still giving you value because he does so many small things that push your the team's baseline in your favor. RJ isn't doing those small things, and that's the biggest frustration for me. And I actually think, like, <coughs> to me, he actually looks like he's playing... With like less physicality, I was watching. There was a rebound. Like he's not competing for rebounds. He's not like look at the rebounds he's getting. They're not like contested rebounds. He's not boxing guys out. He's not battling in the board. Like this is a dude who's six six, built like you know, he's built like a fucking ball of muscle. He needs to be leveraging that and helping your team in ways when he's not scoring well and he's not scoring well right now. And that's that that would be more understandable if he's doing other things. But it's like. I and need it's also to... like some some coaches, if they have a like kind of a bully ball um, mindset, right, and it's not working, maybe you do play him in a small ball lineup, right? Maybe you play him at the four so he has a slower matchup. Um, you know, other coaches, to your earlier point, will try those kind of things. to Or like, we keep going back to football, so I'll say this, right? If you have a, a receiver that's struggling to get off press coverage, Put him in a bunch formation, right? Get him, get him in motion. Get him off the. Get him in a different spot. We just haven't seen that. And I mean, you've made this point at nauseum, but I think one solution could be playing him at the four. You know. Yeah, I mean, just again, trying stuff would be great. Um, but like, who knows? I mean, it is what it is. I, I, I genuinely. I don't even know what to say. Like, I, this team is just really annoying right now. Um, and it's like not annoying to me that they're. I'm not. I, I don't care. Like, oh, they're eight nine. What does what does this mean? Where are we going? It's annoying. Like, just process wise. Like, I, I I don't know. I'm not learning anything. Um, and yeah, I don't know. And I gotta say, like, here's the weirdest thing. Um. People are like, oh, well, Grimes was injured. So, and Tibbs' reasoning was like, well, we need to work on his conditioning, right? His conditioning needs to improve before we get him back in the rotation and shit like that. Let's take that at face value, okay? Then why did Mitchell Robinson immediately come back into the rotation today? Like, I, I don't know. I, I And if you want to say some of this is on the front office because they didn't consolidate the roster and blah, 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 sure. But, like, coaching is hard. It's not always going to be perfect. It's, most of the time, it's not going to be perfect. And you're going to have to make hard decisions. And 
you're gonna have to manage egos, and you're gonna have to manage personalities, and it's like, why was I don't know? I the guy, I just the Grimes thing is like literally breaking my brain because I just don't understand it. Like he looked awesome today. He looked really good today. He's probably the next best player today. He had fucking nine assists. You know, he looked really bouncy off the drive. Like you want to. I think part of the reason why, like, today was actually more concerning to me with RJ than anything is, like, you compare Grimes' first step to RJ's, it looked like they were playing a different fucking sport, you know? Um, so, I, it's just like, I, I just don't understand anything about what Tibbs is doing overall. Like, game to game, in game, I can understand some of the decisions he's making. Hell, I like some of the decisions he's made this year. I've talked about it. But, like, Overall, I still just feel exactly how I felt at the start of the year, where it's like, this team is probably going to go 500, around 500. I still don't think it says anything about Tibbs. And I actually don't think Tibbs is the, has much of an impact on like them going 500. Um, I, do I think, what, what do you think this team's record would be with, with David Fizdale? Uh, they're probably way worse. Like, fucking okay. like. So there is some impact. So, Jeff Hornacek. Probably the same. Okay, so you think Tibbs is end of the day something in the Hornacek realm of coaches? Right now, he is. I mean, I think like if you're just talking about like Tibbs's tenure is much better than Hornacek's tenure. Right. You know, I think Tibbs is actually good at player development. We talked about this endlessly. I don't feel like I need to explain. He never called I mean. KP a pussy. Yeah, he did so. not do that. Um, yeah, like he's definitely better than Hornacek's time in New York, but like. Right now, you know, three years in is generally the time. He got fired, what, three years in in Minnesota? Chicago yeah. lasted a little bit longer. But, like, it feels like we're in a Minnesota timeline right now with him. And we're just wasting time. Not We need our Jimmy decision. Butler to deliver the final nail in the coffin. And we Brunson do. ain't that dude. <laughs> Brunson is way too nice to be Jimmy Butler. Yeah, I mean, we don't have a personality like that. Um, but, like... Yeah, I don't know. It's just, it's frustrating. And I, I just get annoyed by, like, again, like, I, I get annoyed when people are, like, super depressed and annoying about the team. But I'm also, like, I'm, on, I'm at a point now where I'm, like, I kind of just get it. Like, today, I'm watching this game, and I'm, like, man, if somebody is checked out on this team, like, I totally understand. Because it just feels like you're seeing the same things over and over again. And ultimately, at the end of the day, Tibbs is not going to change much. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm just looking for um, maybe, maybe to your point, there are structural issues. I'm looking for uh, uh, RJ to, to pick it up in some way. Um, I'm happy that Grimes had a good game. Fucking sucks that Reddish got hurt. I really hope that doesn't keep him out long because he's really starting to get into rhythm. And, um, and yeah, I I want I wanted to click again for quickly. I'm just I, I I actually disagree that it was just consistent minutes because he still was coming off the bench for Alec Burks for a long time last year and he put it together. And I think he's capable of that and I want to see that. But um, right now it's just um, it's very much um, you know if you go out to eat fast food and you know it's unhealthy and like afterwards it's kind of like Arby's I guess. Um, you know, you have Arby's and it hits the spot, it gets the job done, but you're just like, eh, I don't feel great, but I also like, I'm not going to be shitting my brains out. 
Like, if you have Taco Bell, delicious, then afterwards you're going to have an experience. Um, the Knicks are, like, kind of neither of those things. Like, they're just kind of fast food that doesn't make you feel great at the time, but it's whatever. You know, it's just, it's, but it's not going to make you feel bad later. They're just very much, you know, like, ugh, like, just very bland, bland, you know? Um, and, um, the things that can make them less bland are what I'm looking for. And I think some of them are Tibbs independent and, uh, and win-loss independent. So let's see. Yep. And that was, a, that was, I, I applaud you for not kind of asking me if I'm on drugs after that analogy, but <laughs> yeah, no, I just, I did this. I think honestly, I'm not even joking. This might be the worst podcast I've ever done. Cause I don't think I explained anything well. Because this team actually just like broke my brain that I watched in that Phoenix game. Um, it was just like the dumbest game. Well, maybe your brain will rise like the ashes, like a phoenix from the ashes, maybe. like the sun. That would be awesome. Um, I don't think so. Ideally, I'd rather have the Knicks do that. But yeah, I think I think my brain is cooked, uh, unfortunately. And um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, I didn't. I couldn't even sum up much anger today. That's how much this game broke my brain it was like it was just like the like i and i just don't have no other way to describe Not even it that i'm disappointed it was just the stupidest game it was just extremely dumb um and i hated every second of it uh i was like very thankful that the bills game which was kind of annoying in its own way extended into the start of this game because i was like pleased that i didn't have my undiverted attention on the first quarter of the knicks um, and I was very thankful that the game went by extremely fast and that the refs were not calling a lot of fouls because the game got over pretty fast. So that was probably the best thing about this game today. Good to know. Um, good to know. Um, yeah. Uh, I also had not a very fun weekend watching football, but um, both my teams won probably not that deservingly, but hey, wins a win, right? So. Um. Yeah, it is what it is. Uh, all right. Well, as everybody, if anybody's still listening to this, uh, you now know that my brain is broken. So that's a good place to end this pod. Uh, Stacy, let the people know where they can find you and plug anything that you like to plug. Uh, you can find me at Stacy Patton eighty nine. Only thing I want to plug is just beat Ohio State. Um, the University of Michigan beat a team from Ohio today. It was. The University of Ohio's basketball team, that's a whopping one and three, and it was a four-point win in overtime. But if the same thing happens later this week, should they play another team from Ohio in some sport? I would be very happy with that outcome. So uh, that's the only thing I'm going to plug. Um, yeah, that's awesome, man. Uh, let's do that. Let's beat Ohio. State, the Ohio State, as those idiots like to say. Uh, that is our pod for today. I'm not going to plug anything because uh, my brain is broken. So uh, if you want to listen to other people talk on podcasts, I would recommend checking <coughs> many of the other podcasts that are produced by the Strickland. Uh, all right, that's our show for today. Hope everybody has a great week, and I will see you on Friday.
Our house is a mess. Come on in. I'm Amber Wallen, internet comedian, plant queen, and host of your new favorite podcast, Fly on the Wild. Okay, that's pretty presumptuous to assume that this is going to be their favorite podcast, by the way. Like, come on, Amber. Anyway, that wasp that you just heard interrupt me is my husband. And co-host, Benjamin Wallen, also a comedian, and I host people at our home. I have a great wine collection in my cellar. Well, you it's mean cellar. the mini fridge. It's a mini fridge. It's a mini fridge. New episodes of Fly on the Wall and drop every Wednesday. Listen in as we discuss relationships, books, and keeping our sweet baby kid alive while we make laughs on the internet. Subscribe to Fly on the Wall and wherever you get your podcasts.